guys. What's up? Hello. I'm Joel. I'm Noah. I'm Taylor. And probably half the room, you don't know any of us at all. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'm, I'm up here a good bit with Vic teaching. And uh, so you may be new, you may be around, you may have seen me before. But uh, these, both of these guys, this is the first time teaching this, this semester or this year maybe. So that's cool. Tell us real quick what you do. Tell us your two. And who are you talking to? Minutes. You got like one minute because we talking we to know our One minute. That's a long time. Tell us who you are in thirty so seconds. I, <laughs> uh, I'm a senior uh, at UGA. Um, I'm also a tribe leader. Shout out to the Price Tribe. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also an intern coordinator and a discipleship intern here at the church. Sweet. Very nice. I'm Taylor. I'm staff here. I work with our student ministry. I got some students interns. I'm also an intern director. So uh, I'm Noah's boss, and then Joel is my <laughs> boss. So it's kind of like we got some weird hierarchy oh, funny. <laughs> coming on up here. So, uh, but excited to be here tonight. Sweet. All right. So we're in Malachi, and we've been studying through the book of Malachi. Uh, and we are going to get there in a second. I want to think about this idea first. Uh, maybe some of you guys have had this same experience that I've had where you got really, really excited about something and then that excitement waned and you just gave up on it. So my, the example that pops in my head is when I had this friend, I went on a trip with him. He had just gotten a ukulele. He took this ukulele on a trip with us. And next thing I know, he's like an expert. He's like playing it. And I'm like, well, this must be an easy instrument to learn how to play. So I get home. I, I get on Amazon, I order a ukulele. So this is cool. I'm going to be a musician. Hey, you can buy those on Amazon? <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm buying it's like one like 30 now. bucks. <laughs> I'm trying it. It's like $30. And I've got one for sale right now. In, in fact, <laughs> I can sell it to you. So I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I get it out every day. I, like, I've, I've got this little um, book that says, like, here's what you play. I'm watching YouTube videos, and nothing is working. Are there any ukulele players in here? Maybe I can hire you or something. Uh, so I, I'm trying. I keep trying. I keep trying. And, like, guys, it just doesn't work. So guess what's happening right now in my closet with that ukulele? Nothing. It is sitting there. I'm, like, I'm done with you, right? You got to give that to and your kids. You sometimes it, it doesn't even take that long. Uh, when I was in the seventh grade, I was, let's just say I was the largest kid in middle school. Um, and so I was recruited to the football team, and I was so excited. I went home, I bragged to my parents that they wanted me on the football team. I, I bragged to all my classmates that they wanted me on the football team. Went to tryouts, I'll tell you what, after that first hit, I didn't want to be on the football team. <laughs> I, was, I was gone, I didn't even last one day. <laughs> um, you've no, but you said you never get I'm not a quitter. You've never been <laughs> like. I look like a quitter up here, just I mean, win. <laughs> All right, me and Noah only. I quit at being humble. Stop. <laughs> um, no, just ask my wife. She'd probably give you a lot. Now, <laughs> let me take it to a, another realm here. Uh, because Valentine's Day made me think of this, that I had this friend in college who, uh, you know, let's just say that he, he dated a lot of girls. And one of the girls um, he was dating at the time, Valentine's Day was getting closer and closer. And um, he was like, oh, man, Valentine's Day, what does that mean? I got to buy her something. So, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm done here. 
And that, like, literally, that was his thinking. I said, like, man, Valentine's Day is coming up, so uh, I'm going to have to break up with her. I was like, why? He's like, well, I'm going to have to buy her something. I don't, <laughs> don't want to buy her anything. Uh, so I, I don't know if you guys have, hopefully you've never been in a relationship like that. Um, but, but there is this idea or, or like, uh, just, I don't know, it happens, right? That, like, uh, relationships are something that people are okay giving up on. Like when it doesn't go right, it doesn't go just the way you want it to go, you know, hang it up, we're done with that. Like Noah hung up his football cleats very quickly. (laughs) And if you want to take it another step, think about it like this, that we often kind of view God through the same lens in which we might view each other in our relationships. And that's not bad because, like, God is a relational God. We're created in his image. I think that's, that's part of it. But then sometimes we want to make God into, like, this bigger, better version of ourselves. And the question is, when we do that, will God do some of the things we see happening in our relationships? Some of the things that we do. Will, will God just give up on us when we've gone too far, we've done too much? pushed it past where we think we should have ever gone. And you would think, if that were the case, we've read through Malachi, man, it's been, it's been kind of rough. Like, in these first few chapters, God is telling the people, like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to spread some dung on your face. Did you guys read that? <laughs> uh, and, and he is livid with where the people are at that moment. And the question is, will God just give up on them? And, and let's, let's read yeah. Malachi 3. Let's find so out. Let's open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 6. If you don't have your Bible, you can pull up your phone. I'm starting in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah, so tonight, as we're looking at that, as we're talking about relationships and thinking about ours with God, I want you to just kind of focus in on three things, three things that we're going to talk about, and those are who God is, what God wants from us, and what God wants for us. Who God is, what God wants from us, and what God wants for us. And really, at the beginning of this passage, when we see who God is, we see that His character is one that does not change. Verse 6 says it clearly, for I, the Lord, do not change. 
His character is one who's loving and faithful to the Israelite people, and he doesn't change. And proof of that is right here. It says, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From, if, you, if you look back, way back in your Bible, we're in Malachi. If you go all the way back to Genesis 12, in uh, Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, the Lord says this, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right, in that passage, if you're not familiar with that, if you're like, what the heck just happened? You just went all the way to Genesis. All right, if you've never heard of that passage, that's the Lord entering a covenant relationship with this guy named Abraham. And from Abraham comes Isaac, and from Isaac comes this guy Jacob, and to Jacob grows this entire nation of Israel. So you have the Lord entering this covenant relationship with these people, and he's constantly faithful to them, loving to them, blessing to them, but yet they are not faithful to him. They're not faithful in response and giving God the glory and honor that he deserves. And that's why he's saying, O children of Jacob, you're not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. So from the entire really kind of beginning of this covenant they're not been faithful to God from the days of their fathers but yet the Lord has been faithful to his people and so the Lord's character who he is is he is the one who is loving and faithful to his people so flip back to Malachi chapter one because this is really important that you see this okay scroll back there flip back there look at one two again because after God has gone off on them about all the issues they have, they're having, like we constantly have to go back to this verse where he starts with them. And he says this, I have loved you. That's where God starts before he says, look, you're, you're off in the wrong kind of sacrifices. You're paying me lip service. Your, your words are just bulky and mean nothing. Before he goes off on the priest, he starts with this, I have loved you. And he says in a very particular way he says but but you say how have you loved us is not Esau Jacob's brother declares the Lord yet I have loved what's he say there yet I have loved Jacob okay thanks now <laughs> go to uh back to chapter three in the verse we just read in verse six it says for I Lord do not change O children of Jacob okay so there's the connection like this is kind of one of those literary moments where like that trigger right there when he says oh children of Jacob like he's taking us back there again like this is my this is my sons right this is this is my people I, I love you and, and we're going to see there in the next verse I'm not giving up on you return to me and Taylor just brought up the idea of covenant I think this is very important to uh, have an understanding of what's happening here in Malachi with the context of the covenant in which God has made with the Israelites. So uh, you mentioned Genesis 12. Yeah. Genesis 15, if you read a few chapters past Genesis 12, there to 15, you'll see uh, the covenant ceremony that God has with Abraham. And in that covenant ceremony, you guys familiar with that, where um, he literally does it just just the same way God does this literally the same way in which um, anybody of that time would have done a covenant ceremony from in the ancient Near East um, he has some animals cut in two and he places them one on this side one on this side 
And then normally what would happen is they would walk through this path laid out with the animals cut up together. And they would say, may we be like those animals if we disregard or mess up this covenant that we're making together. I mean, that was the kind of stake that they had for, for that sort of promise that they were making together. Now, when you read that story, it's a little different. Because only God walks through the middle of the covenant ceremony. It's a one-sided covenant. Right? We know this through the Bible, that, that like this is how God operates. He knows like we're going to fail, and yet he still loves us. So this is a big part of where even though they find themselves in a pretty bad place spiritually, God is still saying, return to me. If we would have walked through that covenant ceremony with God, if the people of Israel would have walked through that covenant ceremony with God, if Abraham would have done that, then he would have every right to cut them off. But that's not the way he operates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so God is unchanging. God is love. Um, but we also see just in, in the previous verses in chapter 3 that God is just. Um, so from the beginning of chapter 3, we see um, that God says that judgment will come, that God will be a swift witness against those, um, against sorcerers, adulterers, those who swear falsely, those who oppress the hired worker in his wage, those who oppress the widow, those who oppress the fatherless. Um, and so we go from all of that into the reminder of God is love, but also that God doesn't change. And so um, as we start to move in to look at what God wants from us, it's important to keep in mind that those are not separate things, that God is just, God is righteous, and God is love. And so he's going to provide a way for us to return to him. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't say, return to me. Um, e- even now with Jesus. Um, but it, it's important to keep that in mind. So uh, as we move into this text, or move through this text, um, we start to see what the nation of Israel in this case was missing. They were withholding their tithes and their contributions. Um, so talk a little bit about what a tithe is. I was going to ask you that. Oh. Or Caleb. <laughs> What's a tithe? <laughs> and tithe literally means a tenth. Um, and you see this principle kind of a lot through the Old Testament. But I, I just want us to, to think about this, this, this tithing or giving back our contributions. And I want you to just do something for me real quick. I want us to challenge our mindset a little bit here. Just if you got a phone or something, if you can take notes, write something down. I want you to just take a minute and think or write down three things that you own. This is where you do that now. Everybody's staring at me with a blank face. So just think about three things that you own. Write that down. Three possessions. If Joel, I wish, what's, what's what if I wish I owned your shoes? I, <laughs> I would put shoes on there, no doubt. I'd just write shoes, shoes, shoes. Sorry. <laughs> All right, but when you think about your list, when you think about those, those ideas or those objects, what's your idea of ownership? question what is your idea of ownership you know a big thing for me is like when when I graduated I bought a house and that was a big deal to me that was like man this is this is mine I own this it may it may be whatever for you it may be a car or a phone like man this is this is mine I own it 
But really, as we look at our list and the way that we think about our possessions, God sees ownership far differently than we do. And so as we ask the question what God wants from us, he really just wants back what's already his. So when you think about that list that you just wrote down, I wrote down my list. I was like, man, I own this, this, this. And then I had to realize as I was reading this text, wait, God owns this. And when we fail to give back to him what's already his, we're essentially robbing him. And it even says, well, man, rob God. It's like, that, that was who would even think of robbing God? Yet oftentimes we do it so blindly that we don't even realize that. We don't even think about our possessions in a sense of what does God want from us. He wants everything. And the Israelites had forgotten that. They'd forgotten that God owns everything. And so they were withholding their tithes and contributions to him. We can see that they didn't trust in God. They didn't trust that God was going to provide for them. They didn't trust that God was going to fill their storehouses, was going to um, allow them food. So that's why they held some back. Um, and so we just said that a tithe is, is given to God what is due God. But when we say that, we want to remember that God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our sheep. God doesn't need our goats. God doesn't need um, any of that because he is God. He created all of that. He owns all of that. And so what God really wants is your heart. So if you, if you move forward into the New Testament, we're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And in Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So when you think about tithing, don't think about, oh man, God needs my money. God needs what I have. God is asking for you to give back what he's already given to you so that your heart will follow, so that your heart will be set on God, so that everything you are and everything you have is for him. And he's going to care for you because we know that God is a good God, and as we see in verse 6, God does not change. Yeah. And he says, I'm going to provide for you, and so he does. But it's important to remember, God, God doesn't need our money. It all stems from it all stems from the idea that when we come to Jesus, he says, give up everything, die to yourself, so like take up your cross and follow me. So that that dying to ourselves, that giving up of everything is literally everything where we say we're his slave. He <laughs> he owns us. He owns everything. And that's that's something I've tried to implement with with my kids from an early age. I started telling them, hey. When, when they started fighting over, that's mine. No, that's mine, right? You know, as kids, you did that too. You were like, no, that's mine. And I'm like, nope, that's God's. And I tell my kids that, nope, that belongs to God. And they, sometimes it's a little confusing because, um, you know, they, they like, they pull that Jesus juke out like <laughs> often <laughs> when it's like, you know, no, that's God's, you know. Um, and, and even sometimes to dad too, they're like, daddy, that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. <clears throat> <laughs> that one hurts. This happened. This is a crazy story that that illustrates this. It was John Wesley. Um, the, a guy came screaming past him. He said, "Your house is burned down. Your house is burned down." Wesley replied, replied, "No, it hasn't because I don't own a house. The one I have been living in belongs to the Lord, 
And if it's burned down, that's one less responsibility for me to worry about. <laughs> I mean, that's perspective. But literally, uh, that's the way we are to look at things. That they, we don't store up for ourselves treasures on earth that rust and moss destroy, but we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And so we are stewards, not owners, of all the things that are in our life. We have to think about that. In fact, if you want to go through the Bible with this in mind, you'll be amazed at how that framework keeps coming out and keeps coming out and keeps coming out. This idea of stewardship. I mean, it's there from the beginning when God tells Adam and Eve, listen, I'm making you in my, I've made you in my image and here's your mandate. All that's wrapped up in that is to say, hey, you guys are the stewards of this creation. And then it just keeps going and going. And if you look around, you can look at people's lives and you say, are they good stewards? Like a, somebody could come into your life and examine your life and say, what are they doing with what they've been entrusted? Are they multiplying it? Jesus told the parable of the, the talents, right? Where he hands out a certain amount of talents to one guy, to another, and to another. And you could look at all our lives like that and you could say, how are we stewarding what's been entrusted to us? Would someone say, wow, they have been wise in the way they've been, they've been operating. And it really, it comes down to this very basic principle. This is instilled in me. We talked about this. Mm -hmm. You'll have to yeah. talk your part. Like th that it was instilled in me from an early age. My dad's a pastor. And so he was like, you got to tithe. I'd get like a birthday card. He'd be like, you got to tithe right now. I'm like, yes, you sir. get 20 bucks. Yeah. And it's like, two well, bucks in the offering plate. <laughs> boom. That Sunday. Boom. There it was. And, and uh, so this is, but here's the thing. It really helped me. My, it, like still I'm thriving uh, in the way I can handle money because I think that I learned this principle that like if, if money comes in, I'm giving back to the Lord. Because ultimately it's his. And you said it was yeah, harder for it, you, I right? Mean, this is something that all of you in the room can start practicing now. Like when I was sitting in this in your seat, I essentially said, man, I'll, I'll just start that when I get a job. And then I started working at church. I was like, huh? God's funny. God's funny like that, isn't he? Um, but really, you can start this now. And I, I think it's this, this principle and this idea behind pressure like when you've been entrusted by God with a little bit and you're faithful and give back to him what's already his, when you're given more, it just comes naturally. Like when you, when you see pressure there, when pressure's applied, you see what really comes out on the inside. And, and I'm, a, I'm a sucker for these videos, these like hydraulic press videos. Have any of y'all seen these? Like where it's this idea, like I, I think while looking this up, I watched like an hour worth. But anyway, I got a couple that are just like my favorites that are... Oh, anybody got a hydro flask? You're about to see what was happening. <laughs> oh, Joel, I need you to commentate here. <laughs> Have you seen this before? Post-it oh. notes. It just like, oh, and it oh. explodes. Nothing was falling oh, apart. A yeah. Rubik's Cube. That is not live. I don't even know what that is. Ugh, it's nasty. <laughs> no, oh. not a cube. No. Sad day. Don't do He's that. still smiling, though. <laughs> He's still smiling. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, this one's my favorite. Oh, this is the best one. No. 
No. I know you probably can't oh. hear it, but the sound it makes. Oh. Yeah. All right, we can stop it. We can. I'll, I'll watch that all day. The video's like <laughs> 10 minutes long. I think I watched it twice. So that's, that's our life in there in 2020 right there. Is yes. that what you're saying? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <squished>. <laughs> but when I thought about that more and more, when I looked at, at that video, I really saw in my own life, like, man, when, when God gave me a little, I didn't feel like I was super faithful and giving back what was already his to his kingdom. So then when he gave me more, it was a lot harder. I, it really exposed what was on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, when I had a little, nobody would have said, man, he's not being faithful to the kingdom. But then when I was given more, I think you could have looked at my life mm-hmm. and seen it. Mm-hmm. Because pressure. Because what was on the inside of my heart really came out. And I think that's a powerful principle for each of you now with where you're at, like Joel, even with his kids at a young age, start doing this now. You don't have to delay or wait in giving back to the Lord what's already his, because really that reveals where your heart's at, what's on the inside. And you may say now that, oh, I just, I can't afford to give. But in reality, you can't afford not to give. This is what's going to align your heart to God. And it's not just money mm-hmm. uh, that, that we're talking about here. This is all of the resources that you have. Mm. All of the opportunities, the time that you have here in college, the skills that you have, the money that you have, the food that you have, the house that you have, all that is God's and is a resource that should be stewarded properly. And And... As Taylor was saying, if you don't start that now, when you have more, it's not just going to happen. Um, I, I think a lot about um, uh, stories that I hear from people coming back overseas, uh, most of them from short-term trips. And time after time, I hear these stories of short-term missionaries going over and, and just seeing no fruit overseas. Um, and it's because they're not sharing the gospel. They're not sharing their faith. And the reason why they aren't doing that overseas is because they weren't doing that when they were in the U.S. Mm. So it's this principle of when you have something small, treat it the way you would something big. If you're not sharing the gospel with your friends and your family and your community around you right now, who's to say that's going to change when you go overseas? If you're not tithing a portion now, Who's going to say that you're going to do that when you have a job? It's not going to fix things when you get more. Essentially what God is looking for is a people to come to him with all their heart, right? That this is about a covenant that the people have with God. Oh, children of Jacob, like I'm calling you back to where this all started. That this this covenant I made with you, uh, you, you can read about in Deuteronomy 28 where he lays out. Here's what will happen if you walk in my ways. If you walk with me in this covenant, then you'll be blessed. And he names off all the blessings that they'll experience. And we see some of that in the, in the final verses of our text tonight. And then he says in that same chapter, but here's some of the curses you'll experience if you don't walk in this covenant. Now today, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in that same kind of covenant relationship. You are in a relationship where you have the opportunity to either walk this way with God 
following him wholeheartedly, or you can take the other path away from God, and, and I promise you, you'll experience hardship and experience even parts of the curse that he, he, you see here in, in Deuteronomy 28. So God's saying, it starts with your money. It starts with the things you own. He's already said in Malachi, it starts with the way you worship. It starts with the little words you speak to each other about who God is. That all these things add up to the kind of person, the kind of sacrifice you're making. You know, God calls us to be living sacrifices. To offer ourselves as worship to him. So, here it is. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven to you and pour down a blessing where there is no more need. This is the only time in scripture where God says, put me to the test. Yeah. And really, it's about his character. He knows that's who he is. He knows that when the Israelites respond in faithfulness, that he has to respond to that. That he has to bless them. Because he is a God of love. And he's also just. And it will be just to bless them if they're loving him. So really, that, that was the big thing for me is that that's who God's character, that points back to who God's character is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you may look at this text and you may say, well, I don't have crops. I don't have vines. I, I don't know what I would do with all that uh, fruit or corn anyway. Um, so that's great that their soil's going to bear a lot of fruit. Um, and, and, and we look at a lot of Old Testament passages like this, where it's talking about a, um, a physical fruit or physical crop or land of delight. Um, and, and we also do see, very importantly, that God is saying in verse 10 that there will be no more need. And so in the New Covenant, where we're at right now, there's still an element of having no more need. Um, but it appears a little differently. In, in 2 Corinthians, you see that um, there's a sufficiency in all things at all times. Uh, Paul, when writing to the church in Philippi, in Philippians uh, chapter 4, um, talks about rejoicing in the Lord, learning to be content in whatever circumstances he finds himself. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. So it's not just physical fruit. Um, in the New Testament, we also see there's a lot, of, a lot of spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit of love, of joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of this is fruit that the Lord gives us. It's fruit that serves us, joy. And love, but it's also fruit that serves the congregation, the church, brothers and sisters. It serves the world. Um, so, God is our promised land. God is our fruit, and God is our delight. And it's possible to live this way because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit that was sent um, to be to dwell inside of those who believe in Him. And who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. So that's where the fruit comes in. 
And it's really important to um, realize that you may not, you, you may go plant a vineyard and it may not grow, but the Lord is going to allow you to be fully satisfied and have everything you need. Let's just end with this thought of the vision that God is really casting for them when he says, I'll pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need of. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight. As Noah was just saying, uh, we see that in Jesus. We see that fulfilled in Jesus. We see that Jesus is the answer here, that he is the one who brings prosperity into our life. It's a different kind of prosperity than just physical. It's a spiritual prosperity. It's where we have those fruits of the spirit that he's mentioning. But it's also very tangible, too, when that starts playing out at a a level within a community of people like we have here tonight. Let's read from Acts 4 for a minute. the start of the church in the book of acts right it's it's all these miraculous great big things are happening with the holy spirit now on the scene and the proclamation of of jesus's life death and resurrection and you have this first church together in acts chapter 4 and it says in verse 32 that all the believers were in one heart and mind no one claimed that any, any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that, they, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. The reason that we're called to bring our tithes and offerings is to care for the needs of the people around us. And so when God was calling out the people of Israel in the book of Malachi, hey, you're not bringing in the offerings. Number one, that starts with how you view our relationship and the fact that I own this already. You're robbing me. But it's not just that. You're robbing the nation. This is, a, this is like at a national level. This is everybody's sort of problem right now for you. You see, if, if one of us is not doing what we should do in obedience to Christ, then that hurts all of us. And that's the vision that's being cast here. He says, look, if you will do this, if you will let me be the owner of everything and you be the steward if you will follow in my covenant way in this way in particular i'm going to rain down so that there is no need and it casts a vision for us as a people that if we were to live like this what would it look like (laughs) what would it look like for us to see needs met over and over again because we chose to be obedient in our generosity towards the church, towards each other. And it all comes back to, are you willing to follow the Lord with all your heart and give him everything? Let's pray.
Lord, you are all we need. And as much as we think, oh, I can get by, I can make it on my own, I can, we, like, we need you, Lord. We owe everything to you. Lord, help us get to a place where everything we have belongs to you. And where we've gotten off track, let us remember what we see in this passage, that you call us back to return to you, that you don't give up on us, and that you call us back into a relationship with you in which is so rich, in which we can be in your presence and know you and walk with you. Lord, help us to walk with you. Help us to walk with you in a way where all of our lives are just consumed with you, knowing you and being with you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.